Anyone that observes and obeys the word of the Lord for any amount of time will come to this conclusion. God is a blesser. Now, I don't know who it was. Someone carried in here with them a spirit of condemnation, judgment, beating yourself up, cutting yourself down, feeling bad about the past, feeling like judgment is coming, feeling like you got doom and gloom over your head. The devil is a liar. God did not draw you into this place today to make you feel bad about things you've done or because of your sin or to shake you over hell. God's presence drew you into this room today because he wants to bless you. Whether you believe it or not, whether your mind can comprehend it or not, God is not angry with you. God loves you. God gave his only son for you. And not only does he want you to be saved, he wants you to be blessed. Say, I am blessed. Look at Proverbs 10, 22. If you don't like blessing, you won't hate this scripture. Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord makes one. And he adds, no sorrow with it. Look at Genesis 1, 22. Genesis 1, 22. And God blessed them. It's the first thing God said to mankind. First law first mentioned concerning the word of God towards people. And God blessed them, saying, be fruitful, multiply, fill the waters and seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And in the next couple of verses, in verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1, he gave them dominion. And God gave them the blessing of dominion to prosper humanity in three ways. The blessing of dominion has three facets to it. What we see, we get. Say it with me. What we see, we get. You can't get it if you can't be exposed to it or if you can't see it. But if you can see it, you can possess it. Amen. Number two, what we think, we become. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What we think, we become. Number three, what we speak, we create. God made man in his own image. What was the image of God? He was a thinking, speaking, creative God. Since the universe was created by the words of God, it still responds to the words of God. And you can literally, with the word of God in your mouth, begin to create things in your life. Because God is a blesser. Luke 24 and 50, one of my most favorite scriptures. Luke 24 and 50. Look at one of the last things that Jesus does for his disciples. He led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. God is a blessor. And God's blessing can be tracked in your life in three categories. Anytime God joins three things together, they become indicative of how God is going to move in your life. And you can track the blessing of the Lord in your life in three ways. The blessing of the Lord on your hands, the blessing of the Lord on your baskets, and the blessing of the Lord in your storehouses. Say hands, baskets, storehouses. 
Now, to add credence to what I'm going to say, because what I'm going to say is very simple, to add credence and to build a framework for it, I want you to look at Matthew 19.6 at the things God joins together, because there are certain things in the Scripture that God has joined together. It says, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Now, in this context, he was talking about husbands and wives. But there are other things that God has joined together. We'll see in Scripture there are things God has joined together in twos and in threes that cannot be separated. For a moment, let's look at what God has joined together in twos. I'm going to go fast so you can take a picture if you want. Husbands and wives, God has joined them together. Heaven and earth, God has joined together. In Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Heaven and earth are joined together. Jesus taught the disciples to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven and earth are joined together. Number three, spirit and truth are joined together. Jesus told the woman at the well in John 4, 24, the father seeketh such to worship him in spirit and in truth. They're joined together. Night and day are joined together. The scripture says when God created the first day, the evening and the morning was the first day. The law and the prophets are joined together. Principles and patterns are joined together. Blessing and cursing is joined together. Life and death is joined together. Prayer and fasting is joined together. Bread and wine is joined together. Praise and worship is joined together. Tithes and offerings is joined together. Sowing and reaping is joined together. Seed time and harvest is joined together. Joined together in twos. Then God even joined some individuals together in twos. You think about angels, what's the two prominent ones that are named? You have Michael and Gabriel. And then other individuals, Moses and Joshua, Elijah and Elisha, Anna and Simeon, Mary and Joseph, Peter and John, David and Jonathan, Paul and Silas, joined together by God. Now, let's look at some things God has joined together in threes. Think about the nature of God. He is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Think about the nature of man. Man is spirit, soul, and body. You think about the lights in creation. He created the sun, the moon, and the stars. Now, Joseph saw a vision of this, a dream of this, the sun, the moon, and the stars. He didn't understand the interpretation of his dream, but his brothers did. When they heard the dream, they got mad at him, and they said, Shall your, shall your father, which was the sun, and your mother, which was the moon, and the stars, which were the brothers, bow down and worship you? And Joseph was looking prophetically at what, was a representation of apostolic order. Apostolic order is the sun, the apostle, and then the moon, which is the leadership, the reflection of the sun, and then the fellowship, all the stars. That's how apostolic order works in the church of Jesus Christ. You have headship, leadership, fellowship. Say it, headship, leadership, fellowship. Joseph saw all of that when he had the dream of the sun, the moon, and the stars. Then you have prophet, priest, and king. First one we see in scripture was Melchizedek. We also see David. We also see Jesus occupying the office of prophet, priest, and king. Then we come to the tabernacle. 
The tabernacle, you may remember, had three sections, an outer court, an inner court, and a holy of holies. Now, in those three sections, there were three metals. The outer court was made of brass. Inner court was made of silver. Holy of holies, made of gold. In the tabernacle with three sections that also had three metals, there was also three liquids used. In the outer court, there was water. In the inner court, there was oil. In the holy of holies, there was blood. The light around the tabernacle. In the outer court, you had sunlight. In the inner court, you had candlelight. In the holy of holies, you had the Shekinah glory of God. God has joined things together in threes. They said of Jesus Christ, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Paul taught us about worship. He said, worship God in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. God has joined things together in threes. God's even joined people together in threes. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Peter, James, and John. On the Mount of Transfiguration, you have three leaders. You have Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, which represent the law, the prophets, and the new covenant gospel of salvation by grace in Jesus. So God joins things together in threes. So with that framework that I'm sure you have now, I want you to understand that when it comes to God's blessing, he tied three things together. He joined them together. And what God has joined together, no man can put asunder or separate. God's blessing will come on your hands, on your basket, and on your storehouse. He has joined those three together. Hands, basket, storehouse. Somebody look at your hands and say, bless my hands. Deuteronomy 16, 15. Look at it in the scripture. Deuteronomy 16, 15. He's talking about the feast of Passover. He says, seven days you'll keep the feast to the Lord your God in the place where the Lord chooses. Because the Lord your God will bless you in all of your produce and in all the work of your hands so that you surely rejoice. We're coming upon a very interesting season in the calendar of God during the season of Passover, what the world calls Easter. And during that time of year, it's about six weeks away, there is always a supernatural release of the blessing of the Lord over the hands of his people. And I want to tell you right now to watch your hands over the next about 12 weeks. Because when this thing hits your hands, the anointing of God in your hands is going to cause miracles to be drawn to you like metal to a magnet. Shout my hands are blessed. Genesis 14, 20. Look at what God did for Abraham. Genesis 14, 20. Something powerful about the hands. Melchizedek blessed him and says, Blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies. Into your. This is the highest level of dominion, folks. 
the highest level of dominion is not when you have the enemy under your feet. That's a level. I mean, that's good to have the enemy under your feet. But for Abraham, he gave him the highest level, which is to deliver your enemy into your hand. What's the difference in having the enemy under my feet and having the enemy in my hand? Well, after Melchizedek gave him this blessing, all five armies that were fighting against Abraham had to turn around and pay him and put silver and gold in his hand. The highest level of dominion is not when you put the enemy under your feet. The highest level of dominion is when you make your enemy pay you for the trouble they caused you when they attacked you. And not everybody's going to get it. It ain't for everybody. But God's about to take some enemies that you've been facing in your life and not put them under your feet. He's about to put them in your hand to where the enemy has to turn around and pay you tribute for all the time you lost, money you lost, sleep you lost, rest you lost, peace you lost. The enemy is going to be put in your hand. Say, my hands are blessed. No, say it like a church. My hands are blessed. Deuteronomy 33, 7. Look at it. Deuteronomy 33, 7. Look at your hands and say to yourself, my hands are blessed. Deuteronomy 33, 7. Deuteronomy. He said this of Judah. Hear, Lord, the voice of Judah. Bring him to his people. Let his hands be sufficient for them. Now, listen, listen, listen. Your hands in this season are going to be sufficient for you. You're not going to need the help. I don't know who this is for. Of other people's hands. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're not going to need the help of other people's money. You're not going to need the help of taking out a loan to do that thing God has spoken to you to do. You're not going to need the help of someone to come alongside you and add their strength to what you're doing to get the job done. Your own hands will be sufficient for you. My hands are blessed. Say it. My hands are blessed. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 2, God asked Moses, what's that in your Oh, this is a stick. He said, well, my blessing's going to come upon your hand, and you're going to raise that stick up and part the Red Sea and lead the people out of Egypt into the wilderness to where they can be free from their enemies. And then when you get in the wilderness, Moses, and there's no water for you, take that same stick in your hand and strike a rock. And I'll cause a river to come out of a rock for you in the middle of the wilderness if you use what you have in your hand. And then raise up that same stick, Moses, when the Amalekites come against you and your people are outnumbered. As long as you hold up your hands, if you have to get Aaron and her to get on either side of you because your hands are tired. As long as they will hold up your hands, your people will win because there's a blessing in your hands. And I got a secret for you, Moses. The blessing and the anointing and the power is never in the rod in the first place. The blessing, the anointing, and the power was always in your hands. The people thought it was the rod, but I knew it was the blessing that is on your hands 
prophet Elisha finds out one of his pastors had died and he goes to see the pastor's widow. Pastor's widow is in debt and the creditors are coming. And since they're in so much debt and they can't pay, the creditors are going to take her three sons and put them into working and being slaves until the debt is paid. So Elisha comes in, he says, what do you have in the house? Ah, you got to excuse me, I just feel like preaching. I said, he said, what do you have in the house? She said, I ain't got nothing but just this little bottle of oil. It's, it's the preacher's old anointing oil that he used to go and anoint people with and pray over people. They took all the furniture. They repossessed the donkeys. They took all the cattle. They took the wagon. They took everything. They're taking the house next week, and they're taking my sons the week after that. All I got left is this little bottle of oil. He said, go and borrow as many vessels as you can. Borrow not a few and then take that oil in your hand and start pouring it into those containers. And as long as you have containers, you won't be able to run out of oil. She took the oil in her hand and to her amazement, the oil kept pouring out and kept pouring out and kept pouring out and it poured out until she didn't have nothing else to pour into. But the anointing was not in the oil. The anointing was on the woman's hand. I'm telling you, you don't need some magic tool to put in your hand. The glory of God, the anointing of God, the blessing of God, the dominion of God, the strength of God, the power of God. It is in your hand. Put your blessed hands together. My hands are blessed. Little prostitute named Ruth found herself wandering around a rich man's field named Boaz. And what she found out was every time she reached her hand down, somebody had left her handfuls of blessing on purpose. God knows how to leave something behind for you in the right place and at the right time that will turn your life completely around. And whatever you need today, it is within hand's reach. It is within arm's reach. It's closer to you than you think it is because your hands are blessed. Your hands are blessed. Your hands. Take your blessed hand. Take your blessed hand, put it on somebody next to you, and say, neighbor, you're blessed now because everything my hands touch, oh, I wish I had some faith. Everything my hands touch, everything my hand, oh, everything my hands touch. Yes, my hands are blessed. I woke up to a picture on my phone. It's a pregnancy test. Three of them. This man and this woman got together and they, they spread out three pregnancy tests all close to their face and all that. It was weird to me. And I see his big face and her big face and three pregnancy tests. And I said, Lord Jesus, what is this? said, you don't know us, Pastor, but a little while ago you came to our church 
and you got to preaching that God was breaking barrenness. And then you came down off the stage and you put your hands on us. We've been trying to have kids for nine years, but when you put your hands on us, we felt something change in our body. And now we're having a baby. We didn't believe it the first time or the second time. So we got a third one just to confirm. But thank God there's power in your hands. Shout, my hands are blessed. And it's not just the pastors and preachers that got blessed hands. Whenever you go home, your hands are anointed to lay hands on your children. Whenever you go home, your hands are anointed to lay hands on your bills. Whenever you go home, your hands are anointed to lay hands on the walls of your house. Command the peace of God in your house. Command evil spirits to get out of your house. Command that the day will be a good day. Command that blessing is coming. Command that strength is coming. Command that healing is coming. Command that victory is coming. Because your hands... I wish I could get somebody to pull on me. Your hands! David, you facing a giant, boy. Come over here and put on my armor. No, sir, Mr. Saul. All of my life, God's been blessing me with stuff thrown out of my own hand. So I'm going to go right down over there to the river. Put my hand in the flow. Oh, yeah. Pick out five smooth stones. And I'm going to bring my giant down with something thrown from my hand. You don't need the tools you think you do. I'll say that over here. You don't need the support or the backing that you think you do. God will anoint you to take down whatever your giant is. Because the anointing was not in his slingshot. The anointing was not in the rock. The anointing was in that little boy. I need you to slap three people and say, it's in your hands. It's in your hands. It's in your hands. Big money in your hands. More than enough in your hands. Promotion at higher level in your hands. New car keys, Latasha, in your hands. New house keys in your hands. Diploma or graduation in your hands. I hope somebody's hands are starting to burn. I hope you're starting to come alive to the revelation that the God of all grace, the creative God, has put something from heaven in your...
Number two, God's blessing is upon your basket. Deuteronomy 28.5, he said blessed. Number one, be your hands. Number two, blessed going to be your basket. Oh, look at your neighbor and say neighbor. Now you didn't say it like me. Say neighbor. My basket is blessed. Yes, I got blessed hands, but I also got a blessed basket because there is, by the nature and design of God, supposed to be a progression from faith to faith, from victory to victory, from level to level, from glory to glory. So what does God expect you to do when your hands, though they're big, get full? When he fills up your hands, it's time to transition from full blessed hand to a full blessed basket. And I'm preaching this because some of you have been shouting over the fact that God can bless your hands. But what you're about to walk into in this stage of your maturity as a church, you're about to see God give you so much, it won't fit in your hands no more. So you're going to have to turn around and find you a basket to help you increase your capacity. Because when the blessing starts flowing, we serve a more than enough God. And when your hands get full, you're going to need to go and grab you a, a basket. Blessed hands. Blessed hands. Blessed baskets. In Matthew 14, verse 20, Jesus asked them, give me an accounting of how much they did. Well, they all ate and were filled. You remember when he was breaking those bread, those loaves of bread and breaking those fish and multiplying it for the people? Well, he made so much out of five loaves and two fish. Uh, you don't hear me. I said he made so much out of five loaves and two fish. I said he took what was insufficient and made it sufficient for their hands. He made it sufficient. So sufficient, they took up 12 Christian world, where you're going, you're going to need a basket. I said where you're going, your family's going to need a basket. I said where God's taking you in your job, you're going to need a basket. I said where God's promoting you to in your business, you are going to need a basket. You're going to need some kind of system to contain the overflow that comes out of your hands. Pastor John, they were coming to kill the Apostle Paul. After Ananias laid hands on him. 
and blessed him. When Paul lost his vision, he said, go and see Ananias. He saw Ananias. He put his hands on him. And when a man of God put his hands on him, the affliction left him and the anointing of ministry came on him. And it was so big, it was too big for his hands. So the enemy put a hit out on Paul and they came to kill Paul in Acts chapter 9. But the house that he was staying at didn't just have a man with anointed hands. It had a man with an anointed basket. And the Bible said they put Paul in that basket and lowered him down out of the window. When you get in the kind of trouble that your hands can't fix, God will anoint your basket so that no weapon formed against you will be able to prosper. And he'll get you out of it by putting you from the hand anointing to the basket anointing. Pastor Rico, Moses' mama had already violated the law Pharaoh made one time. He said, no boys. You have a boy, throw him in the Nile River. Well, she had Aaron. She had Miriam. She had Moses. You know, she was used to violating it. Now, she broke it the first time with Moses. She hit him with her hand. No, I wish you knew how good this was. She, she dug out a hole in her mud hut. And for the first three months, she hid the baby with her hand. But as your miracles grow, they will grow to a point that you can no longer provide for it with your hand. So when what God gave her was getting too big, to sustain it with her hand, she transitioned and went and got. And she took her hand and put him in a basket and put the basket in the Nile River. And all while he was floating down the Nile, crocodiles were swimming by and snakes were swimming by and mosquitoes carrying infectious diseases were swimming by. But none of them were able to harm him because what they didn't know is not only is my hand blessed. Y'all gonna kill me today. I said not only is my hand blessed. I said not only is my hand blessed. My basket, my basket, my basket's blessed too. And the truth of the matter is that's how some of us made it through all of the predators that we made it through, through all the neighborhoods we made it through, through all the trouble and storms we've been through, through the past we went through that tried to kill us, living with predators all around us, but they were never able to touch us because your basket has been blessed by God. Blessed hands, say it. Blessed baskets. Blessed hands. Blessed baskets. But progression is the key to maturity in the kingdom of God. So many people come in 
and they get blessed hands and they stop there. They get a little bit of movement in the kingdom or they may get one miracle and they stop there. They don't make the steps to progression. And when progression is made, dominion is achieved. Dominion can only be achieved through maturity. And maturity and progression are one and the same. So God joined three together. He said, I'm going to bless your hands. And I'm going to bless your baskets. But then number three, I'm going to bless your storehouse. Genesis 41, 56. Genesis 41, 56. And I'm closing with this. I'll try harder on you next week. Genesis 41, 56. Look at that. The famine was all over the face of the earth. And Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. The famine became severe in the land of Egypt. But it wasn't severe for Joseph. And it wasn't severe for his family because Joseph learned the principle of a storehouse. Now listen to this. God wants to take you. And see, in the American church, we receive blessing messages selfishly. That's why they talk so bad about us on the internet. All that church cares about is money and, you know, this and that, right? They, they dog the churches all over the United States. Find a mega church and just Google them, and you'll see so much vitriol and negative stuff about churches. There's all kind of TV shows making fun of big churches and all this kind of stuff. Why does the world have that perception? Because we have talked about blessing, and that's fine. That's wonderful. But God's design is not just to bless your hand. And not just to bless your basket. He wants to bless you to the point that you have enough to build a storehouse. A warehouse of blessing. So that when there's a famine over all the rest of the world, they can come to you and you can open the storehouse. I knew that wouldn't get a lot of shouting and no clapping. I knew it. Because some of us have gotten so accustomed to the struggle that the thought of sharing is repulsive. And the truth of the matter is, God cannot afford to trust some of us with that third level of blessing. Storehouses. Because instead of using it for what he meant it for, you'd eat it up all yourself. Listen, God ain't got no problem. God's a blesser. God ain't got no problem with you eating till you're full. Blessing you with money till the bills are paid. Setting you up. But then he watches what you do with the extra.
You mean I blessed you like that? I raised you up like that? I healed your body so you could go back to work? I blessed you with favor so you could get a promotion? And now your bills are paid. Your family's eating. You got a roof over your head. You're good. But now you drive past the person. That's in the same condition you was in when I found you. And that's where we run up against blessing blockers. Okay? Refusal to tithe, it's a blessing blocker. It's a limiter. It's a governor that's put on your finances that makes sure that you can't go past a certain level. Refusing to have a generous mindset and, and give freely and liberally. It's a blessing blocker. And I, what I want you to know is if, if God knows he can get it through you, he'll give it to you. Your hands are blessed. Your baskets are blessed. And your storehouse Every, every one of you right now, every one of you right now is in one of those three categories. You're either walking around here with blessed hands or blessed baskets or blessed storehouses. But understand, understand. See, God doesn't ask you to give anything that you don't have. Find one place in the Bible where he asked somebody to give what they didn't have. You'll never find it. Because I can't give it to you if I don't have it myself. That's the theological law of content. You cannot give what you do not first have. God don't expect me to starve my family to feed the hungry person on the street. Oh, I got a little slap back on that. I wish you would stand up and say something. You know what he said in the scripture? A father that don't feed his own is worse than an infidel. And I love you, but you ain't going to eat before my own. God don't mind you having. God don't mind blessing you and giving it to you. But as you make the progression... As more and more comes, and you, you may say, Pastor, I'm not seeing more and more. I'm not, I'm not experiencing that. Watch what would happen if you started to pray, Lord, you can trust me to be a blessing to your kingdom. Lord, you can trust me with more. Watch what happens. You start tithing. You start sowing seeds. You start giving. The blessing of God in your hands activates. The blessing of God on your basket activates. And the blessing of God on your storehouse, wherever you store your money, wherever you store your stuff, wherever you have your resources, that blessing activates so that God's kingdom purpose can be accomplished. He said in Deuteronomy to his people, Behold, I have given you the power to get wealth. Some people don't like that scripture. They hate it. Some of y'all want to fight me now, and it'd be a bad decision. It's not the day. I have given you the power to get wealth. But it doesn't stop there. 
I have given you the power to get wealth that I may establish my covenant, my kingdom. In other words, I'm blessing you so that you can be a blessing to the kingdom. And you're good as long as in your vision you have what you need. It's okay for you to have what you need. God wants you to have that. One of our members got him a new car, and I went out there and celebrated. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Amen. I believe more is coming. Amen. Amen. But you got to have that in your vision and also the kingdom in your vision. And that's what made Joseph so special. Joseph's hand was blessed. His hand was blessed in Potiphar's house. Potiphar gave him right hand over all his household. And Joseph prospered him. Then in the prison, Joseph's basket was blessed. Because the baker had a dream walking around with bread in a basket. And when Joseph saw the basket, he began to interpret the dream. God blessed Joseph's hand in Potiphar's house. He blessed the basket in the prison. But when he got to the palace, God blessed the storehouse. Saying, now Joseph, this level of blessing isn't about you. This level of blessing is coming because a famine's coming to the whole world. And I want to use your storehouse to meet the need. That's what I've been praying. I've been praying, God, use my storehouse to meet the needs of my community. God, use my storehouse to meet the needs of my family. God, use my storehouse to meet the needs of my city. Use my storehouse to meet needs. When recession comes, people with blessed storehouses are never in want. They're never in lack. Because God raises them up to be the answer. And I want you to know, as we walk, Christian world, on this journey of maturation, as God is leading us into dominion, he is raising you up not just to come to his presence to get blessed. Yes, that, but not just that. To come to his presence to be empowered with an anointing to be a blessing. Amen. Stand to your feet. Raise up your blessed hands. Your hands are blessed. Your hands are blessed. Come on, say it. My hands are blessed. Your basket is blessed. Your storehouse is blessed. <laughs>